Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all my blessed and highly favored people doing today? How was your first full week of August? How did you deal with all this heat and everything else that's going on? I could say my week was eventful. And I'm also convinced that God has me out and about. so I can actually see how the rest of the world is living. Because to tell you the truth, I would never leave my house if I didn't have to. I would not leave my house. I love being at home. But when you're at home, how, how are you going to see what's going on, right? So he has me out in the world now more than I care to be, but it's all right. And I must say, it's been quite interesting. But that's going to be another talk show. So last week, we began our new four-part series titled Love, Lust, Sex, and the Pursuit of Happiness. And if you missed the show last week, you can find it on my show page at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, on Spotify, on Apple, and all other podcast platforms. You can also follow me on Instagram at WWKSayToday, or send me an email at WhatWouldKSay at gmail.com. 
And I know some people don't write emails, but if you guys work, you're always writing emails. But if you want to let me know something, drop me an email. What would K say at gmail.com? So now, if you can recall, I started that I started this topic off. I said what's okay, let me let me roll back. What I stated was from in last week's show was what prompted this whole series to begin was the whole pro-life, pro-choice back and forth debate. And that's what actually gave birth to this series. Because people need to understand what God has to say about sex, right? Because his word is true. And our first topic was love. Because you need to start from the beginning and then work your way down to how things got to where they are today. So our first topic was love. And we said that God is love and that everything he does is done in love. We also saw how in the beginning, the command was given to all living creatures to be fruitful and multiply. And I also stated that we would bring together the notion that everything God created, the enemy tries to pervert or destroy. So today, let's continue in our learning. And we're going to look at lust. So now, what is lust? Because before you can really look at anything to understand it, you have to, you have to know what it is. And lust is a very strong sexual desire. Now, I want to say the content, the content of this show might be a little spicy for some, but it's still truth nonetheless. And spicy, I say, because it's not something that people talk about every day. Some people still are kind of shied away from discussing certain matters. But just because you don't discuss them doesn't mean that they don't exist and, don't, and it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect your life. So, and I'm not going to be using any perverse words. I don't want anybody to think that. But just the, t- the subject matter may make some people, it may make you uncomfortable. I hope it doesn't. I hope you have an open an open mind to receive everything that, you know, is being said. So, like I said, in order to begin, we have to understand what lust is. And lust is a very strong sexual desire. So when we look at the definition of lust, we see that it's a far cry from what the definition of love was, as we got from the Bible last week. And love, to sum it all up in a nutshell, was all about sacrifice and compromise. Whereas lust consists of fulfilling your own self-satisfaction and your own needs. Love is all about a deep connection. Lust is all about a physical affection. But let's think about this. Who do you think created the law of attraction? God. God created that law of attraction, of physical attraction. He was the one that placed within us the emotional feeling that we have when we see someone that we find is good looking. And let me add, it's true that beauty is in the eye of the beholder because we're not all supposed to be attracted to the same type of person. 
There is truly someone out there for everyone. Right? People say every pot has its lid, right? In the Caribbean, we say every bun has its cheese. And it was all a part of being fruitful. But can I tell you that when God created that feeling for us, it wasn't just about being fruitful. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. God is not against us having sexual pleasure. He is. It's just that he's about who you have the pleasure with. Genesis 20, Genesis 2.24. The coming together of two was meant to be happy, loving experience between two partners, right? That's what the coming together of the two was supposed to be. And we're going to look at it in Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So now everybody always takes this to be, oh, you get married, you leave, your, your, your husband's supposed to not be running around with your mother-in-law and doing things for his family, he's supposed to just take care of his family. All that stuff comes into play, yes, but there's, there's a broader meaning to this. And I've also heard that people say, oh, the becoming of one flesh was, you know, you having children, so it's you and your husband becoming one. And yes, we know the union of the sperm and the egg is going to produce a child, but it was more than that too. To become one flesh means two people become so close to one another emotionally through the physical connection that their hearts and their souls are so intertwined, they become one. Because if you're in the same, if you're following what God said as the family structure, it's him first, then the husband, then the wife, then the child. And we went through that when we did relationships. If you're following and you're so, if you're so engaged in one another, you're going to be one. You're going to be on one accord. You're going to be connected. And and also it goes with the being equally yoked. That also helps you become the one. So think back to your first true love. I know who really wants to remember that, right? Can you remember being so in love, so emotionally attached that your heart was so entwined with this person that you thought you could not live without ever. And then when your heart was broken, you were crushed. Right? And God bless those who are still with their first true love. But think back to that first teenage love. And I'm sure we all experienced it. You felt like the world was about to come to an end when your heart was broken, right? But now think about that. This is why God wanted us to get with the one that we were going to spend the rest of our lives with. It was to spare our hearts the agony of the pain of separation. 
It was also so that we could bond with that individual that we gave our hearts and bodies to. Like, okay, let's take, for example, in the animal kingdom, the penguin, swans, gray wolves, owls, bald eagles, even termites. All of those that I just mentioned, they mate for life. Could you imagine a termite mating for life? They become one. And to become one flesh through physical intimacy, that means the two of you, is gonna, you're going to share the joy. You're going to share the pain. You're going to share everything that life has to give. And what affects one affects the other. We also see that at we being found in other places other than Genesis. And I say that because during the Valentine's Day show, we examine the songs of Solomon because I wanted, I was trying to show that there's so part, there's so many parts of the Bible that are everyday life that people just think that I don't know what they think the Bible is, a book of rules and regulations. I think that's what they think it is. But if you ever took the time to really read it, you would see everything in life is in that book. And we looked at the Song of Solomon, the Songs of Songs, which is also called Song of Solomon. And let's just look at chapter 7, verses 6 to 13. Now, this is what Solomon was writing. And it was to his love, a Shulamite. How fair and how pleasant you are, O love, with your delights. This stature of yours is like a palm tree, and your breasts like its clusters. I said, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of its branches. Let now your breasts be like clusters of wine, the fragrance of your breath like apples and the roof of your mouth like the best wine. The wine goes down smoothly for my beloved, moving gently the lips of sleepers. I am my beloved, my beloved, and his desire is toward me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth to the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyard. Let us see if the vine has budded, whether the grape blossoms are open and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes give off a fragrance and at our gates are pleasant fruit, all manner new and old, which I have laid up for you, my beloved. All right now. Okay. Do you hear all that that's being said in those verses in that scripture? And that came from the Bible. So now who said the Bible wasn't interesting? But I'm going to tell you, the same way that was written and it's like a, a love poem, she's speaking a love poem to her beloved, talking about how he, how he thinks that she looks and what he, she wants to give him how, and how they're so attracted to each other that they just want to be with one another. But the enemy would want you to believe that 50 shades of a particular color 
is the only way that we can imagine being in love with each other. Matter of fact, the enemy would want you to believe that it's even better when you're not in love. It's even better when you're not in love with the person. How could that even be true? How could that even be true? So with that in mind, it stands to reason why physical attraction is the hardest emotional feeling to resist. But God meant it to be between a husband and wife. Because physical intimacy outside of marriage is considered a sin. Hmm. Now let's go visit those sinful twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 19, 1 to 4. Now, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So, the men of Lot's time, not only were they sleeping around with all the women in Sodom and Gomorrah, but they also now wanted to sleep with the angels, the men, because they saw them to be so, they were attracted to their beauty. This right here, the beginning of the perversion of what God created. Right? Because before then, we had never saw any place in the Bible where you would have men wanting to attack the angels. No. And at first glance, it would appear that selfishness or the lack of self-control are the core of lust. But can I tell you something? Everything that appears to be the reason for something, it's usually just the surface of what the problem is. There's always a deeper problem. And although it might contribute to lustful acts, so, you know, lack of self-control and selfishness, it is much deeper than that. It's like when, I don't know if they still say it because I don't even know if, People, because, okay, we would always say when we were younger, that's just the tip of the iceberg because we knew that icebergs, what you see above the water was just a small portion of what the actual iceberg looked like. And when you went under the water, it was massive. So when someone says, oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg, that means you don't really even know the half of what's going on. And that's the same thing with lust. The root of lust is actually, and it's often, emptiness. We allow 
what we feel, the natural human desires to drive us to thinking that if we satisfy the feeling that we'll be happy. But can I tell you that doesn't work? That doesn't work. It hasn't worked and it won't work. You're trying to fill voids with other things, but it just doesn't measure up. And now I was I brought into the two today to show you how because when we started with love last week and I was show, continuing with you about love and then I was I brought in Solomon Sodom and Gomorrah to show you how lust started to come to play and how yes God created that physical physical attraction between the two. And yes, we are supposed to want to physically be with each other. But when the enemy gets hold of it, how he twists it and makes it something other than what it should be, he changes it from the beauty that God created it to be to something that in some people's eyes would be, you know, ugly or why would you want to do that or makes people shame? You know what I mean? The enemy is the one that has twisted what God has created to be so pure. So when we talk about lust and we talk about that, the deeper part of lust, And we're going to go into more. We're going to move into next week talking about sex because sex, sex could be defined as male, female. But sex, a lot of people use sex to talk about the physical act of intimacy. And they use the word sex when they want to separate it from being an intimate act. So we're seeing how the progression started from love now into lust, which was that burning desire. And then next week we're going to take a look at sex. But like I was saying, lust, the root of it starts from emptiness. And we keep trying to fill that emptiness with sexual pleasure and desire. Lust is a shallow attempt to fill that vacancy in our life. And that void can only be filled by God. Yet, we continue to engage in fornication. And fornication, a.k.a. being being fruitful. Which will ultimately, because if you're fruitful, and this is how I say it ties it all back into what prompted the whole series in the first place, if you're being fruitful, it's going to lead to multiplication, right? Multiplication meaning pregnancy. And some of them unwanted. Hmm. With that, it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here 
on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. Sonora, I tell you friends I adore her And when she dances, oh brother She's a hurricane in all kinds of weather Jump in the line, rock your body on time Okay, I believe you jump in the line Rock your body on time Okay, I believe you jump in the line Rock your body on time Okay, I believe you jump in the line Rock your body on time Shake, 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 Sonora Shake your body line Shake, 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 Sonora Shake it all the time Work, 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 Sonora Work your body line Work, 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 Sonora Work it all the time You can talk about cha-cha Tango waltz or the rumba Sonora's dance has no title You jump in the saddle, hold on to the bridle Jump in the line, rock your body on time Okay, I believe you jump in the line Rock your body, rock your body child Jump in the line, rock your body in time Somebody help me Jump in the line, rock your body in time Whoop. Shake, 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 Sonora Shake your body line Shake, 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 Sonora Shake it all the time Whoop. Work, 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 Sonora Work your body line Whoop. Work, 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 Sonora Work it all the time Sinora, she's a sensation The reason for aviation And fellas, you got to watch it When she wind up, she bottom, she go like a rocket Jump in the line, rock your body in time Okay, I believe you Jump in the line, rock your body in High store skirts a little higher Jump in the line, rock your body in time Off the chimney Jump in the line, rock your body in time Sensation, she go up in the air, come down in slow motion. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line, rock your body and time. Somebody help me! Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line, rock your body and time. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body line. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake it all the time. When the truth is found to be lies, 
been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. So now it's time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And in Op-Ed today, it's going to be a smorgasbord, like buffet. Today we're doing buffet style of Op-Ed because there's just like so many juicy things to talk about. I want everybody to put a little bit on their plate and then enjoy, right? So we're going to start out with, okay, what I had to start out with was Pelosi going to Taiwan and how China just lost it, that she went over there. Well, so we'll start out with that. Since I already talked about it, let's start out with that. So Pelosi went over to Asia and was doing her rounds. And I still didn't get the backstory of why she was over there to begin with. Because I'm like, why would she have to go over there to Asia? Anyway, she makes a stop in Taiwan which China had already warned America, do not stop in Taiwan. And I'm thinking to myself, first of all, you're just, you're just a congressperson. Why are you going to Taiwan? I don't understand. I don't understand. Why, why was it so important for her to go to Taiwan when there's so many other things here that she could have been doing, her and those other Democrats that went? But that's another story. So they go to Taiwan. China had already warned America, you play with fire, you get burned. So she goes there, and China, to show just how they were not playing around, they had missile launchings towards Taiwan. Not that they wanted to hit Taiwan, because if they wanted to hit Taiwan, they could have just as easily hit Taiwan. But they were throwing missiles, you know, dropping missiles around Taiwan, just to give the message of, we warned you not to be here, and you see what we can do, and if we wanted to, we could really just hit you right now. So now China is all up in arms. Then back here 
on the home front, we have candidates. Now, this is something that you really need to pay attention to. This you need to take on your plate. Trump has been backing certain candidates in the primary so that they can go up on the ballot in the general elections that push his agenda. And we have one that won last week. And what you have to pay attention to with this, the people that he's backing and the fact that they're winning the opportunity to be on a general ballot is that he's backing people who can make decisions when it comes to whether votes should be accepted or not. See, his move of backing candidates is very strategic. I want to back candidates that if it comes down to popular vote or electoral votes, they can say that their state is not going to ratify their electoral votes because it doesn't go to what we want it to show. And that's a very, when you think of it, when you just think of it on the surface, you're like, "Mm, that's kind of far-fetched. Why would you think that these people have the power to do? But when you dig deeper into it, if they become governor or if they become a part of the legislature, legislative body of that state who makes the decisions on how votes are ratified, yeah, that makes a big difference. And see, a lot of people, they don't pay attention to the fact that it's not always about being president. Everybody wants to be, oh, I want to be president. Oh, I want to be CEO. Oh, I want to be. Mm-mm. Sometimes it's the little man. It's the little man that you're not even really paying attention to that really has the power to pull the strings. And see, Trump is learning this because he's getting all of, trying to get all of his people that believe his fake news, the election was stolen, I really won rhetoric. And they keep putting this out there to those people who still want to believe everything was a scam, everything was a hoax, Biden is really not the president. They're feeding into that story with those people. And these people are voting to get those people on a ballot to now serve in office. So that's what you really have to pay attention to. And that's what we have to watch out for. Because like I said, it's not usually the person that you see that, oh, I'm the the biggest, you know, I'm the one that has the top position. Yes, sometimes they're important, but most of the time it's the little people in the background. Like you'll have a CEO of a company, and yes, he's the CEO of the company, but you also have a you also have a board of that company as well. So even though he's the CEO, what he says doesn't always just stand as that's what it is. You have board members that have to vote on whether they want to back what he says or not, or whether they go with his agenda or not. Just like Biden. Yeah, Biden's the president, but he also has Congress who has to now vote to see if they want to give him what he wants to have or or not. So those little things you have to pay attention to. Moving over to more election news, Kansas, 
voted that since their constitution had provisions in it protecting abortion rights, they, since the Roe versus Wade in the Supreme Court was reversed, they got the option to vote if they wanted to remove that portion of to change their constitution. In other words, like make an amendment to what it said about abortion in their constitution. And the people said, no, leave our constitution as it is. And because it was thrown back to the states from the courts, from the Supreme Court, then they were able to make this decision. The people, Kansas, the government put it to the people and the people said, no, leave our constitution as is. So we're seeing little by little how states are taking control of whether they want to uphold what the Supreme Court said or if they still want to stay by what was the law of the land before the Supreme Court said that we can't have abortion. And now in other news, bringing it to where everybody's always screaming freedom of speech and I could say whatever I want and do whatever I want and there's nothing you can do about it. Alex Jones, who has a podcast, who has been spewing rhetoric, talking about the Sandy Hook shooting, or those kids that died in Connecticut, was a hoax. And that it was fake news. Here we go again with the fake news. And he's been saying this over and over and over since the massacre happened. Now, first of all, what I didn't understand was why is he so hell-bent on talking about Sandy Hook? Of all the massacres, he didn't talk about, Columbine was before Sandy Hook. Why ain't he talking about that? Why did he pinpoint on Sandy Hook? And see, now that right there with the Alex Jones, that's where you could, that whole thing when I was talking about tip of the iceberg, that's just what we see. We don't know what the underlying reason for him bashing that whole occurrence. We don't know. No matter what he says, we still don't know what, why he felt it was a lie. And he actually was, it was targeting one family in particular. Because they sued him. Because they were receiving death threats from other people. The people that believed what Alex Jones was saying on his podcast. Because, you know, you always have that cult following of things. And they were actually harassing the family. But the court, he, they had him admit in open court that what he said was a lie. Because <laughs> text messages are going to be the death of everybody if you don't watch what you write. Right? Because once you write it and you send it, it's forever. It's like a time capsule. It never goes away. It never goes away. A million years from now, they will be able to read your text in some foreign planet somewhere. And they'll be like, this is what they were talking about when they should have been talking about other things. But anyway, his lawyers sent a bunch of text messages to the opposing lawyers that should not have been released. And in the text messages, he was talking about how he knew that what he was saying was a lie. Busted. So the judge first, she had cited him for lying about that he was bankrupt 
and she told him to stop lying about that because she thought she went to his financial records and found out that he was lying about that. So she, in open court, called him a liar and told him to stop lying about that. And he stopped saying that. But then he had to get on the stand and admit that everything he was saying was a lie. And because of that, the jury awarded the family $49.3 million for defamation. So although they say there's freedom, free speech, sometimes it's not always free because he's about to pay for what he did to that family. And now bringing news close to home, which was a little, I thought it was a little funny when I heard this story. In New Jersey, a a soda manufacturer, a beverage company, (laughs) had released red dye, red dye into their sewage. I guess they were throwing it away. And it spilled into one of the creeks in Jersey. Now, I'm not laughing because, yes, that's polluting the water. That's not what I'm laughing at. I'm laughing because when the people saw the the water running, it's like a creek, so it was, you know, running down. It was red. So, of course, you know, the first thing people are thinking about is when Moses put his stick in the water and turned it to blood. So they were like, everybody was calling in, why, why is, is you know, what is this red stuff in the creek? Like, what's going on with the creek? Why is it red? So, you know, everybody was like kind of panicking at first because they didn't know like what was going on with the the creek. But then after they did their investigation, they found out it was red dye that a beveraging company had released by mistake and it spilled out into the water. So I just, I found that a little amusing. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, with everything going on and you start seeing water turning red, yeah, I would think twice too. (laughs) And now, breaking news. Breaking news. I heard this this morning on my way into the studio. Another busload is coming up from Texas to Port Authority this morning. And the governor of Texas is saying, New York, we're sending you all our people that's coming over the border because you're always talking about how you have housing, how you have um, uh, interpreters, and you can take the kids and put them in school well have at it so a bus load the second bus load is coming this morning landing in the city i think uh at mayor um mayor adams is supposed to have had a a news conference it might have been on while i was talking i'm not sure but in any event the governor of texas is not joking and now what we're hearing is these people are being forced on the bus they don't want to get on the bus and come to new york They don't want to come to New York. He's forcing them on the bus, and he's sending them up here to D.C., Jersey, New York, Connecticut. He doesn't care where the bus goes. He's just packing them up and sending them out of Texas. So I don't know where this is going with this battle between these states here. I don't know what is going to be the outcome. I don't know what the solution is because when the people get here, what, you can't turn them around and send them back on the bus to go, what, the people just going to keep traveling back and forth between states? It's ridiculous. So we've got to come up with some type of solution with this immigration issue that we have going on because shuttling people back and forth is not the answer. That's not the answer because it's not really relieving the problem. You're just moving them from one place to another, but it's not solving the problem of what the real issue is. The issue is how do we control what's happening and how do we make it that when it does happen that we know how to keep it and not 
and everybody's not burdened or feels displaced or just feels like what's happening to me. And that's the end of op-ed. So now, since we're in a new month, our word of the month is going to be, but of course, abstinence. What else? We're talking about love, lust, sex, and the pursuit of happiness. So our word of the month is going to be abstinence. And abstinence is the choice to not to have sex. That's what it is. The choice to not to have sex with a partner. And that includes all forms of sex. Okay? So we're going to see. We're going to see how that works out. Right? So that's our word for the month. But. I also want you to think about it in another vein, too. Abstinence doesn't always just have to be sex. It could be restraining oneself from indulging in anything. It just means not to do it. But because we're talking about love, lust, sex, and the pursuit of happiness, we're going to look at it on the sex side, but then you could also apply it to other things in life as well. And our promise for the month, is, well, not the month. I don't know why I always say the month. Probably because I have the word of the month. The promise for the week is we're going to take it from, let's see. Where are we going to take our promise from? Our promise from this week is going to, for this week, is going to come from, we'll go back to Genesis. Why not? Let's just always go back to the beginning. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. That's Genesis 1 and 3. And I use that one because that's the beginning. Everything started with day and night. So we might as well have that for our promise. Everything is new for this week. Every time you wake up, it's a new day. It's a new chance for you to do what you need to do to start over. His mercies are new every day, and so is the grace. So with that, I say be blessed. Have a wonderful week. Take care of yourself. Take care of one another. And until God brings us back together again. Oh, don't forget. COVID is still out there. Monkeypox is out there. And now we have this new thing popping up, polio. We're going to talk about that next week. There was so many things to talk about in op-ed that I didn't get a chance to talk about our health crisis going on. But we'll go back to that next week. So until God brings us together again, peace. Love is not proud Love does not boast Love after all matters the most Love does not run 
Love does not hide. Love does not keep locked inside. Love is a river that flows through, and love never fails you. Love will sustain. Love will provide. Love will not cease at the end of time. And love will protect. Love always hopes. And love still believes when you don't. Love is the arms that are holding you. Love never fails you. When my heart won't make a sound. Can't turn back around when the sky is falling down. Nothing is greater than this, greater than this. 'Cause love is right here. Love is alive. Love is the way, the truth. Life, love is the river that flows through.